0: In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about secrets, being your own red herring, secrets, grandma's crotchless panties, and gross secrets, in our discussion of Two Can Keep a Secret by Karen M. McManus. Everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda.
1: And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Two Can Keep a Secret by Karen M. McManus.
0: Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yay. I didn't make any mistakes so far yet today.
1: And in my head, I'm going, I English good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not.
0: <laughs> it's been a while since we've done a Karen McManus. It has. Since the
1: last time we did a Karen McManus, I've met Karen McManus.
0: That's really cool.
1: It is. It is. I got a book signed. And I'm actually slightly good. I could have taken all of the if I knew I did the the instructions at the uh, author event I went to. Um wasn't very clear, and I could have actually taken all of my Karen M. McManus books and got them all signed.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Which would that have been would be amazing. Amazing. But instead, I have um, the new One of Us is Buying, which has gone out of my head completely, what it's called. One of Us is. Insert the word
0: here. Back? Back? Is it back? I think maybe. It, it doesn't matter because that's not what we're talking about today. We're it's talking... One of Us is back, but
1: yes. We will be covering that one eventually, though.
0: We will, yes. But we are currently talking about Two Can Keep a Secret, which is not involved in the One of Us is Lying series.
1: It isn't. it but sounds it was like before it was.
0: It sounds like it would be. It sounds like it will be the sequel to the first one because, you know, it's one and then two. But it's not. It, it's not.
1: No, no, it's not. It's this little, would be one of the alone. ones we'd have in our um, late to the parties, I think, as well. Um, because it's been out for a few years now. Are we really that late? I think so. But also, at the same time, I am heck surprised by how popular this book still is, because getting hold of it from the libraries quite difficult. Just hold on, all of the audiobooks and all the e-books.
0: I mean, that's how it is, I think, with all of Karen and McManus' books. They're all so popular all the time because they're really, really good. Yeah, yeah.
1: She knows how to write a mystery. She
0: does.
1: Which is my, you know, initial thought. I'll just jump to that. And now I'm going to go whoop and jump back and ask for some background info.
0: okay. Yeah, so I got this from Publishers Weekly in January 2019, so I guess that is a million years ago. It It's pre-Covid, and yeah. I think
1: anything that's pre-pandemic is another it's,
0: era entirely. It's the before times. It's the before times, so yeah. Okay, so... They ask, can you talk about what sparked the idea for Two Can Keep a Secret? And her response is, the original kernel of an idea was to take a small town with a tragic past and have characters whose families were affected become part of a new mystery. She goes on to say, I've always been interested in the power of secrets. He That's runs. one of the things I explored in One of Us is Lying, the links people will go to in order to protect these hidden parts of themselves and what happens when those parts are exposed. There's a similar theme in Two Can Keep a Secret, but here it's even broader because there are generations of secrets that have piled up in this one small town. And the two main characters both have ties to Echo Ridge's infamous unsolved mysteries. And even though they weren't directly part of those, they experienced these ripple effects from growing up in families that can't move on. They want Answers, which is a very natural desire, but one of the things they ultimately have to consider is whether there are some secrets that shouldn't be told. Ooh.
1: I very much enjoyed that In the panel, somebody asked Karen McManus where her inspiration comes from for a lot of our books, and she is a what if author, and so her inspiration a lot of the time comes from, well, what if this happened Mm. um and i don't it might actually be too. you can keep a secret but my memory is not very good at the moment where it was the she was really into the the kennedy family and she was watching a lot of documentaries about that and it was what if next step so a lot of the stories that she does is what if based on some kind of event that's taken place and inspires her that way, and I like that. I like the yeah, what if, and fun. I think a lot of the time when we generate our own fictional hangover like fanfic, or we ask that what if question. Mm.
0: Yeah. We do. And it's a lot of fun. It is, it is. What were your initial thoughts, by the way? Oh, basically, another murder mystery! Yay! <laughs> but, uh, But also... Sophie Amos narrated yes. half of this audiobook and we had her on in the extra before times. Well, no, no, it wasn't super before times. It was in the during times, but we had her on talking about Calamity Jane. Yes. My Calamity Jane. My Is that Calamity what that Jane. one's called? Oh, those yeah. were so fun. And in that one, she was a werewolf. In this one. She's not a werewolf. She's a teenager. She's a regular human teenager. And it was a lot of fun. She did a great job. So I was excited to hear her voice again.
1: Yes, same. same. She's a very good uh, voice actor.
0: Yeah. And the male narrator, which I feel bad because I looked him up earlier and then I just went blank on his name. Um, He did a lot of the miss peregrine books and when i looked that up i was like oh my god no ah oh, that's where it, thank you but no 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 no, no it's not that not that first it's one. not that the one first one it's the one who replaced that one thank goodness hairball. yes thank you for looking that up yeah, so I was looking through like all of his back catalogue, which is like 700-something books, ooh, and then I started ooh. seeing those, and I thought, uh-oh, oh, no, oh no. Oh no, but he didn't do the first one. He's I'm just going to plug this one in here,
1: because there's a very good chance we'll we'll look at this at some point, but um, Beth Revis is releasing uh, a book called Night of the Witch. Yes. She's doing it with Sarah Rash, Rash. and um, Kirby Hairbone is one of the uh, voice actors on that book as well. Awesome, that's really fun. So that's that's cool. He's done a lot of um, younger.
0: Yeah, he's done a lot of middle grade stuff for sure. But he's also done stuff some. That, adult I feel like should be on
1: my child's <laughs> bookshelf. To be honest, probably it? probably. probably a super scary Halloween should be on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I'm going to stop looking at his back catalog before I start putting everything on hold. Probably good
0: because there's seven hundred plus of them <laughs> that you can go through.
1: I always find it amazing when you look at a voice actor's um, back catalog and go, "Wow, they are prolific." That's a yeah.
0: That's that's a lot.
1: That is a lot. Shall we delve into the summary? Yes, let's. Shall we solve a
0: murder or two? <laughs> yeah. Solve. Yeah, some all the secrets. Secrets. Ellery and Ezra Corcoran have landed in Vermont, and Ellery's baggage is not there. This is not a good omen, and her twin brother is less than sympathetic. The twins have come to live with their grandmother, a woman they haven't seen for 10 years and have no real relationship with because their mom, Sadie, a wannabe actress, an actual drug addict, is in court-ordered rehab. Nana has come to pick them up along with her neighbor, Melanie Kilduff. Melanie's daughter was Lacey, the beautiful blonde homecoming queen who was murdered and found in the horror-themed park five years ago. Lacey's murder isn't the first on the street, either. It's fantastic. There's so many murders. As they're (coughs) driving to Echo Ridge, they are caught in a hailstorm. Nana shouts stop after seeing something in the road. When they get out to check, they find a body. Oh. Neck in the wrong angle, eyes open, staring at nothing. Dang. So many bodies. Dang. First chapter,
1: body one. Love it.
0: Instant murder. Yes. Well, this could be an accident. <laughs> body in the middle of the road in a hailstorm.
1: Is it? Hit and run. The, it's a hit and well, run. Well, the next day, the police come to talk to him about the body they found. It was Jason Bourne, a popular science teacher at the local high school. The police officer, Ryan Rodriguez, is no more than five years older than the twins. And in Ellie's opinion, not very competent because he's just so clumsy. Bless him. Ryan was in Lacey's class, as was the prime suspect in her murder, her boyfriend, Declan Kelly. The twins will be in school with Declan's younger brother, Malcolm. After Officer Rodriguez leaves, Ellery goes to unpack what little belongings she has with her until her suitcase turns up, mainly books and some photographs. One photograph is of Ellery and Ezra, and another is their mom Sadie, with her twin Sarah as teenagers. Sadie never talks about Sarah, and Ellery craves information, though she's sure that Sarah's disappearance was the start of
0: Sadie's problems. Was it a murder? <laughs> probably <laughs> we're not there yet we're not there yet friends Malcolm's mom married Peter Nilsen after her marriage ended the tipping point being Lacey Kilduff's murder investigation and the Kelly family being right at the center that situation was fucked up but so is the Nilsson house and the whole of the last five years Declan was the prime suspect in Lacey's murder because it's always the boyfriend. And though there was no evidence, Declan was found guilty by the community and run out of town. Now, Malcolm lives in the plush but sterile Nilsen house with his high school queen bee stepsister, Katrin. It feels like Peter Nilsen has a bit of a savior complex, and Malcolm is hoping he can extend it to help Declan. Malcolm asks Peter about his dinner with Ben Coates, former Echo Ridge mayor, who runs a political consulting business in hopes that he will give a favourable reference for Declan.
1: Tonight is Lacey Kildreth's memorial scholarship fundraiser, and Malcolm and his mother will be attending for the first time as new members of the Nielsen family. When they enter, everyone goes silent, which is hecking awkward. Apparently, they are guilty by association still, and it isn't until Melanie steps forward and welcomes them that they return to normal. As Melanie heads back to her table, Malcolm notices two new teenagers sitting there, which is uh, interesting. The Nielsons sit with Katrin's boyfriend, Theo's family, and his best friend, Kyle McNulty, and his family. You and Kyle are bullies and, let's be honest, complete and utter asshats. Malcolm manages to escape to the bathroom and does not want to go back inside the banquet hall, but then he smells something strong and chemically. Following the smell outside, he finds a spray paint can on the ground and red letters MURDERLAND THE SEQUEL COMING SOON painted on the cultural centre sign. The new teenage girl catches Malcolm looking
0: pretty guilty with the empty can of spray paint in his hand. Oh, no. Oh, Nazi. Sounded like you said, oh, Nazi. That's, Later. That's... No, nope. <sighs> Nazi. Later, Ellery is texting with her friend, Lourdes, back in California when she gets a FaceTime from her mom. Sadie should be in rehab with no contact, not cold calling her. Sadie mentions Ellery's hair. And it's not a nice mention. And says that Ellery will get to meet all her exes, like Peter Nilsen. Yuck. And gives her an odd expression when Ellery mentions Officer Ryan Rodriguez because of his overreaction at Lacey's funeral. On Saturday night, Ellery and Ezra head to Fright Farm, formerly Murderland, the horror theme park. Ellery picks up job applications for them both before they head to the games. At the shooting gallery, there's a posturing drunk jackass, Vance Puckett, challenging anyone and scaring Brooke Bennett, the worker at the stall. Ezra encourages Ellery to step forward as she has freakishly good aim for some reason. Vance manages to knock over ten of the twelve targets, but Ellery hits eleven. As thanks for making Vance move on, Brooke offers to hand in their job applications and put in a good word for them.
1: Maya Kwon and Malcolm are hanging out at the Nielsen house. Daisy, Maya's older sister, is home and never talks to anyone or leaves her room. She's got out of Echo Ridge, went to college, got a job, and quit it all to come home for secret reasons. Secrets. They talk about Mr. Borman, who was Malcolm's favourite teacher, and the one who encouraged him to start playing drums and join the school band. Malcolm and Mia are going to visit Mr. Borman's grave to leave flowers since Malcolm missed the funeral because he was on vacation with his mum. As they're leaving the cemetery, they notice something red on a mausoleum and see dolls dangling. There is a message scrawled in paint saying, I'm back, pick your queen, Echo Ridge. Happy homecoming and it's right next to Lacey's grave
0: Great,
1: oh, <sighs> Malcolm is going to have to report it to the police Vance Puckett is walking through the cemetery and spots Malcolm, Mia and the vandalism but he doesn't accuse them of any wrongdoing and tells them to run along and report it as Malcolm is getting into the car Vance tells Malcolm to let his sister know to lay Law. things might get dangerous for her
0: Ooh, that's menacing. (laughs) It's the twins' first day at their new school. As they walk down the hallway, someone catcalls Mia and she flips them off, making Ezra know immediately who his new best friend will be. They also meet Katrin, who gives them the mean girls once-over, and at lunchtime invites Ellery to sit at her table with her friends Brooke and Viv. (laughs) And Ezra says, I bet on Wednesdays they were pink. (laughs) The conversation turns to the recent vandalism, Mr. Bowman's death, and homecoming. The court is, of course, a total shoo-in. Katrin, Brooke, and Viv. The talk about the vandalism threats actually energizes Ellery because she is a true crime super nerd. While Viv, the school journalist, listens to Ellery, Katrin is unimpressed. Guess that's the end of sitting at the popular girls' table. Malcolm walks by then, and Brooke comments, saying he looks cute, despite the fact that she's dating Kyle. Katrin says he isn't too bad, Viv thinks Declan should be in jail, and, oh, guess what? He's back in town. (gasps) Secrets.
1: Malcolm meets Declan at Bukowski's tavern because he wants to know why he's back in town and why he didn't tell him. With Daisy's return and the vandalism, it's literally the worst timing ever. Declan says he's only going to be here a short time and blows up over the vandalism. Declan tells Malcolm he has a good thing at the Nielsen's and might get college out of it, but he doesn't believe Peter will speak to Ben Coates for him. As Malcolm walks home, he spots Ellery with the suitcase. As they talk, an oncoming car driven by Catrin speeds dangerously towards them and almost runs them over. Ellery leaves Malcolm to unpack and then goes to the store with Nana. Ellery takes this opportunity to ask about her Aunt Sarah, as Sadie never speaks about her. Nanette talks warmly about Sarah, who sounds pretty awesome, actually.
0: At school, Kyle McNulty is terrorizing Malcolm, but Ellery interrupts and asks Malcolm for help finding the auditorium for the school-wide assembly, and also points out that Kyle's pants are unzipped. (laughs) Sitting together, Malcolm, Mia, and the twins spitball about the homecoming court announcement. There is no surprise about the boys, Theo, Kyle, and some random guy called Troy. And this is the one and only mention of him. However, the ladies are Katrin, Brooke, and Ellery. Huh? Ellery is genuinely shocked. Like, who voted for her? She's been at this school for, like, three hours. <laughs> it wasn't her brother or her two friends. And she certainly did not nominate herself. On Friday morning, Katrin does her usual daredevil driving to school with Malcolm. Then, they arrive to a lot of whispering in the halls. The homecoming court's lockers have been (gasps) vandalised. Remember Murderland, princess? (gasps) I do. Oh. Secrets. Secrets. Saturday morning, Ellery and
1: Ezra are at the library with a pile of high school yearbooks. Ellery thinks it's weird that members of Lacey's class have left and come back, but why? Why? pourquoi? She studies the pictures of Daisy, Declan, Ryan and Lacey trying to figure out Lacey's murder while Ezra looks at the pictures of Sadie and Sarah. They have work at the Fright Farm in an hour and Ellery suggests they stop by Mia's to meet the mysterious Daisy. Before they leave, Ellery takes a few pictures of their research. As they walk up to Mia's house, they see Daisy drive up, look at her phone, put her head on the steering wheel visibly upset before driving off again.
0: secret. Leave her (laughs) alone. On Thursday, Malcolm heads to Mia's after band practice and discovers that the vandal has been busy. Corcoran's Make Killer Queens was scrawled on the side of Armstrong's auto repair, a bloody mess of raw meat was left on Brooke's car, and Katrin's school picture was added to Mr. Bowman's memorial with its eyes gouged out and RIP October 5th written on it. The reporters are also starting to swarm. As Malcolm and Mia head out for dinner and to meet the twins, Katrin texts wanting Malcolm to ask Brooke to homecoming as she's broken up with Kyle. Mia points out that it's obvious that Malcolm like-likes Ellery and he should ask her, not Brooke. Before they leave the house, Mia sees Daisy backing out the driveway despite saying she's in for the night. Mia orders Malcolm to follow her because she must find out what is going on with her sister and learns that Daisy is going to therapy. (laughs) Yay, good for you, Daisy. When they head to meet the twins, they spot Brooke having a very intense conversation with Vance Puckett, who is painting over the vandalism on the auto shop. They can't make out what is being said, but Brooke's expression looks determined.
1: Ooh, secrets. Sadie calls again, this time on Ezra's phone, and the twins tell their mum they're going to a pet rally at Fright Farm. Typically, Sadie makes Ellery uncomfortable about homecoming, though they didn't actually tell her Ellery is on the court or being targeted by the vandal. Ellery decides to turn the tables and makes Sadie uncomfortable by asking questions about her homecoming. Sadie claims she can't remember, even though she was Queen... Eventually, Sadie gives them one piece of information. She went to homecoming with Vance Puckett. Ellery asks who Sarah went with, but Sadie fakes needing to go and disconnects. Officer Rodriguez arrives then to take the twins to Fright Farm thanks to Nana's insistence for Ellery's safety. Finding Mia inside the big tent, they notice reporters are there. As the coach gives his roaring speech, the lights flicker off, and then the LED f- screen flashes, showing a picture of Lacey in her homecoming crown. The picture then rips in two, and is replaced with Katrin, Brooke, and Ellery's pictures. Soon, is scrolled across them. The reporter stands up and approaches the coach.
0: The next night, as Malcolm goes to pick Ellery and Ezra from work at the Fright Farm, he gets a text from Declan, who is back in town. Malcolm heads into Fright Farm to find the twins who are at a staff party. He finds Allery, but Ezra is nowhere to be seen. When they go to grab some water, they have a near kiss moment. But they're interrupted by a loud scratching noise and someone shouting It's Brooke. She's on the floor, drunk, surrounded by paper clips. And cryptically, she says, I need to get it back. I shouldn't have. I just shouldn't have. I have to show them. It's not right. It's not okay. Malcolm offers to take Brooke home after dropping the twins off. On Sunday morning, where Ellery is looking at photos of Sadie
1: at homecoming and Ezra is looking at her date, Vance, who was pretty hot back then, Ryan Rodriguez comes over looking worried and slightly out of breath. He needs to check that Ellery is okay because Brooke didn't make it home last night. Oh. <gasps> The police obviously don't know that she was drunk at the party and that Malcolm gave her a ride. Ellery needs to tell Officer Rodriguez, but she really doesn't want to. No.
0: Officer McNulty is sitting in the Nilsen kitchen, asking Katrin about Brooke. Malcolm's mom asks him if he saw Brooke last night, which reminds Malcolm of when the police interrogated Declan about Lacey. Back in Nana's kitchen, Ellery tells Ryan about the paperclips and Brooke making jokes. She also tells him about the random babbling about needing to get something back. Meanwhile, in the Nilsen kitchen, Malcolm tells Officer McNulty everything. Repeatedly. Officer McNulty asks about his relationship with Brooke, and Malcolm says they don't have one? But then Katrin decides to add that Brooke thought he was cute and thought she'd snuck into his room the other week when she'd slept over. Um, excuse me, damn it, Katrin, what are you thinking? Why are you saying all of this stuff? Insane. Malcolm denies seeing Brooke then, but does tell Officer McNulty about seeing Brooke and Vance Puckett when he was with Mia. However, Vance spent last night in the drunk tank. Malcolm is so tempted to tell him that Declan is back in town, but he doesn't. Don't throw your brother under the bus, man. All of this is terrible. Tell Katrin that. She's. Tell Katrin! She pushed with four fans. She did. Ugh.
1: Sunday afternoon, Malcolm texts Ellery. He wants to talk, and she and Ezra agree he can come over. While Ezra is 100% ready to believe that Malcolm hasn't done anything wrong, Ellery's true crime-filled brain wants to know more. Malcolm wanted to tell them he drove Brooke home, saw her go inside, and that's it. And that Katrin
0: is spreading lies that he and Brooke have
1: been hooking up.
0: On Monday morning, Brooke is still missing, and Malcolm is getting a first-hand view of what Declan went through. Homecoming isn't canceled, yet, but it has been scaled back. At lunch, Ellery and Ezra leave the lunch line, and Katrin waves for Ellery to join her, but she sits with, you know, Malcolm and Mia instead. Ellery says the one time she sat with Brooke at lunch, she looked worn down. After school at Mia's house, Daisy surprises everyone by skulking downstairs and saying she's going out, so Mia wants to follow her. Ellery and Ezra quickly follow behind Mia. So, you know, not thinking Mia is weird for stalking her own sister. (laughs) Instead of the therapist, this time Mia heads to the next town over into an apartment complex and knocks at one of the doors. When it opens, she's wrapped up in someone's arms. (gasps) It's Declan! (gasps) Gasp!
1: secrets. After leaving Daisy and Declan, they head to Chuck E. Cheese. They don't know how long Daisy and Declan have been in a relationship, and it's terrible timing for people to find out, so it's obvious why they're keeping it quiet. Ellery proposes that Daisy and Declan have hooked up previously, maybe back in high school. Ezra suggested Mia blackmail Daisy by telling their parents what she saw to get more information. And, you know, Mia is not opposed to such underhanded tactics. Malcolm gets a text from his mum then about a search party being organised for the next day during school hours and a link to a news article in the Boston Globe. Viv is quoted in the story and her theory is word for word what Ellery said a couple of weeks ago. Viv has changed her story as she believed it was all related
0: before. Now she doesn't. Hmm. Hmm. She doesn't have her own brain cells. She does not have her own ideas at all. On Wednesday, Nana gives the twins a ride to work at the fright farm and will pick them up too, despite it being after her bedtime. Homecoming is still on, but the court has been disbanded, so technically Ellery is no longer a princess, but Nana wants to be cautious. Sadie calls before they start their shift because she's heard about Brooke and guessed Ellery was also targeted. When Sadie tells Ellery she should have told her, Ellery blows up and points out that Sadie hasn't earned any rights to know anything unless all the things Sadie doesn't talk about that obviously contribute to her addiction problems. Sadie goes quiet and admits that on the night Sarah went missing... She was losing her virginity to her homecoming date when she should have been with her sister and that she blames herself for her twin's disappearance. (laughs) Wah-wah. Sadie needs to tell her more, but not right now. Hanging up, Ellery spots Vance Puckett at the shooting gallery game. She challenges him to best two out of three. Ellery purposely, painfully, loses and mentions that she is Sadie's daughter. Ellery is no actress, like her mother, but is convincing enough for the town drunk with her crocodile tears in trying to get information about Brooke and what Vance knows. He admits that Brooke asked him how to pick a lock, but that he has no idea how to do that and that she should probably just use... Paper clips, because that's what they do in the movies. Well, that answers why Brooke had paperclips scattered around her. But what was she trying to unlock? A door. <laughs> the door. The door that's wide p- open? <laughs> Just like, hey guys.
1: Search parties for Brooke have extended past daytime hours, and Peter is going to help, but tells Malcolm to stay home. Katrin, meanwhile, is getting frostier with Malcolm, doesn't want him to go to homecoming, and keeps accusing him of sneaking around with Brooke. As Malcolm grabs water for Peter to take on the search, Mia texts him, linking to a news article and telling him to come over. The article mentions Declan being a common denominator in the last and latest disappearances, and that he's moved to the nearby town. Katrin, on the other hand, has lost her venom and she leaves with Peter, Malcolm, noticing, she looks a little afraid.
0: Hmm, What has happened? Secrets. Secrets, secrets. Malcolm heads to Mia's house. Ellery is already there, and Mia is shouting at Daisy, who looks murderous, especially as she's holding a candlestick. Mia is confronting Daisy about Declan, and then Daisy accidentally throws the candlestick, which hits Mia in the head
1: it was the sister in the living room with the candlestick
0: it was (laughs) Mia tells Daisy that they all want to be on her and Declan's side but they need to understand like what the fuck is going on Daisy admits to having a nervous breakdown. She didn't process Lacey's death and felt guilty because she was in love with Declan all through high school. And one day, things changed between them and he said he loved her too. Declan and Lacey were still together at that time, though Declan suspected Lacey was seeing someone else. And then Lacey died. Mia tells Daisy she was a good friend. She didn't act on her feelings with Declan. Daisy tells her some of her guilt was that she just shut down and didn't help when Lacey disappeared. But then, once Daisy was out of Echo Ridge, she remembered a distinctive bracelet Lacey started wearing that Declan didn't buy her. A local artist made it, and she asked Declan to come with her to visit the shop, but unfortunately, it was a dead end. She even told the police about it and gave the bracelet to Ryan Rodriguez. Ellery asks if it's possible that Ryan gave it to Lacey in the first place. Her mother had told her previously about Ryan getting overly emotional at Lacey's funeral. On Friday,
1: Ellery heads through the woods to the fright farm before it opens. Luckily, only the makeup artist is there so early. Ellery channels Sadie and says she accidentally threw away five hundred dollars in cash and would like to check the locked recycling bin. But unfortunately her co-worker doesn't have a key. Okay, plan B. When the maker partners leaves, pretend to be sick to stay behind and use paper clips to pick the lock. Success! Panicking, Ellery steals the whole contents of the bin and leaves the park.
0: <laughs> Time to dig through the trash. Mia, Malcolm, Ezra, and Ellery start looking, and as they sort through the documents, Malcolm admits that the police said they want to look through his phone because they need to dig deeper into his supposed relationship he has with Brooke. But Peter defended him. There isn't anything about Brooke on his phone, of course, but there are a lot of texts from Declan. Ooh. The
1: sorting of the recycled trash continues and Ezra finds a receipt for an auto shop in the town Declan used to live in. It's an expensive rush job paid in cash to repair impact on the front of a red 2016 BMW X6. That's Katrin's car. Oh, Brook's number is the one listed for the repairs under a fake name and, checking the dates on the receipt, they discover the accident and repair happened while Malcolm and his mom were on vacation. Ellery realises the date on the receipt matches when they arrived in Echo Ridge, which was when Mr. Borman was killed in a hit-and-run.
0: Oh, damn. Oh, Oh, no. Secrets. Secrets. Later, probably inspired by the hit-and-run date realisation, Ellery makes a detailed timeline of the key events relating to the three missing girls. Ezra looks it over. And points out that Sadie came back to Echo Ridge in August 2001 for their grandpa's funeral. And exactly nine months later, they were born. (gasps) Oh, great. Which person in town could possibly be their father? What a fun mystery.
1: Saturday evening arrives and it's time for homecoming. Katrin looks gorgeous, but Malcolm notices she's she's not all there and he can't look at her without wanting to ask her what she's done. Malcolm and Ellery aren't going to homecoming and instead Ellery is coming over to watch movies and Malcolm's mum obviously reads more into it. Malcolm and Ellery settle in with popcorn and as they do, they decide not to mention what they found in the recycling bin yet as Ellery's methods... (sighs) weren't exactly legal. Plus Ellery thinks there is something sketchy about Ryan Rodriguez. Malcolm confesses that he like, likes Ellery and they start making out, but of course they're interrupted by Malcolm's mom in the kitchen making hot chocolate. Using this as a distraction, Ellery shares her theory that Katrin started the vandalism to help people forget about what happened to Mr. Borman. But it's not perfect though. Why was Ellery brought in? Who is helping Katrin? Did she do something to keep Brooke from talking? They decide they need to keep an eye on Katrin.
0: So, they best head to homecoming. No. Oh, let's go to a dance. Despite Nana's protests and with strict curfew rules, Ellery and Malcolm head to the dance. Unfortunately, Kyle's older sister Liz is manning the door and won't let them in without a pre-purchased ticket. Daisy is also there as a chaperone and manages to get them in. Malcolm goes to look for Ezra and Mia, so Daisy takes the opportunity to ask Ellery why she asked if Ryan bought Lacey the bracelet. Ellery explains that Sadie told her how broken up Ryan was at Lacey's funeral, so she thought they were close, but Daisy says that never happened. This isn't the first time Sadie has been telling her own truth about Echo Ridge. Malcolm returns and he invites Ellery to dance, and then asks if she would go on a date to a clown museum with him. (laughs) Of course Ellery agrees. So romantic. Suddenly, Malcolm realizes he can't see Katrin, so they stop dancing and start looking for her. They find her slipping out of the gym and follow her outside under the Echo Ridge High sign. Ellery pulls out her cell phone and records Katrin as she reaches to unclasp her clutch, and vomits all over the grass. <laughs> secret? No. Se- oh no. no, it's not a secret. Vomit. It's not a secret. Vomit.
1: Sunday is especially quiet post-homecoming. Ryan Rodriguez drives by and Ezra knocks Ellery for not giving him a chance, especially as it turns out that Ciri hasn't been telling the truth about him. Ellery agrees and decides a good opportunity to take the moving boxes to Ryan that their nana has been asking them to do in the background this entire time. Ellery sees loads of family photos on the fireplace in the Rodriguez house, and family photos are like crack to her. <laughs> and as she looks over them, spots a picture of Ezra in military fatigues next to a helicopter. Wait, that's not right. And what, no, Mm-mm. that's not Ezra. That's no. that's Ryan's dad.
0: Desert no. storm.
1: Secret. Well, right. <laughs> everything makes sense now Ryan isn't inept he was trying to process the fact that they were related Ryan isn't sure if their dad knew about the twins because if he did, surely he would have tried to reach out surely Ooh,
0: secrecy Malcolm wakes in the middle of the night from a nightmare memory from Lacey's funeral and finds a text from Ellery apologizing for not replying sooner, but, um, you know, stuff happened. At the same time, Malcolm hears someone walking downstairs and going outside. He can see a figure with a backpack and supposes it must be Katrin. Grabbing shoes and his phone, Malcolm follows her and texts Ellery what he's doing. They reach the school, and Malcolm records Katrin taping a white sheet with the words, Now playing Murderland Part 2, told you so, in red scrawled across it. Malcolm texts Ellery the video, and she says they need to give it to Officer Rodriguez along with the receipt they found, first thing the next morning.
1: Ryan is going to treat the receipt as an anonymous tip, since the way Ellery obtained it is sketchy as hell. They also can't assume that Katrine committed the other vandalism or is responsible for Brooke's disappearance. They should also keep this information quiet. Ellery tries to ask about Lacey, but he tells her to give it a rest. Yes, he liked her, but she had a way of making anyone feel special, so lots of people liked her. Suddenly, Ryan gets a message and orders Ellery and Malcolm to go home.
0: Ellery is antsy and restless. She emails the photo of Ryan's dad to Sadie's email, saying they need to talk, then goes for a walk through the woods to Fright Farm. Officer McNulty is at the entrance and unceremoniously sends her home. Ellery's brain starts to connect dots and thinks it's no wonder Kyle McNulty can hold a grudge as his father is such a charming delight. But then her brain makes some more connections and Ellery realizes that Kyle could be responsible for Lacey's death and Brooke's disappearance. He could have teamed up with Declan None of this makes any sense, Ellery. Oh, my God. Ellery decides to call Ryan with her suspicions, but before she can, Nana ambushes her, worried sick. She's especially worried now because they apparently found Brooke's body in the woods at the Canadian border. Ooh.
1: At the Nielsen's, Katrin refuses to go to school, and Malcolm is happy with that because he doesn't want to be anywhere near Katrin at the moment... In the school parking lot, Kyle and his friend Theo are waiting for him with Viv, watching on as they beat the snot out of Malcolm. Suddenly, Declan steps forward and pulls Kyle's fist back. Declan has been waiting for Malcolm. He knows what he's going through. Declan orders Malcolm into his car and they drive to his apartment. Malcolm puts the TV on while Declan fetches an ice pack for his hand. The news is announcing a positive ID for Brooke.
0: Damn it. Wah-wah. Malcolm (laughs) has headed over to the twins, and they keep watching the news reports. Sadie calls as well, and Ellery confronts her mom over the identity of their father. But Sadie's answers only add fuel to their anger about her secrets and lies. Ryan Rodriguez stops by. He got Ellery's message, and she shares her theories. All it does is annoy Ryan, who tells her she's more likely to hurt the investigation than help. He also suggests that Malcolm stay with friends for a while, just in case, but it turns out Malcolm doesn't need to leave, because Katrin has. Her aunt has taken her on a spa vacation.
1: (sighs) Malcolm goes to his brother's apartment later and has dinner with Declan and Daisy. Officer Rodriguez knocks. He's come to talk to Declan on official business and is somewhat shocked Daisy is there, too. Officer Rodriguez needs to know Declan's alibi the night Brooke disappeared. Declan won't talk, but Daisy answers his questions. They are in the apartment together. Officer Rodriguez pulls out a class ring with DK engraved on it that was found with Brooke's body. Declan gave it to Lacey, junior year. Where has it been? It's like hmm. bit of five years. Declan refuses to say anything else. Once Ryan is gone, he tells Daisy and Malcolm he hasn't seen that ring in years and that he tried to break things off with Lacey and asked for his ring back, but she refused. Malcolm doesn't know what to think or who to believe.
0: Declan can tell and
1: kicks his little brother out. Secrets.
0: Ellery goes to Malcolm's house because he needs her true crime brain. They talk through the whole thing, but nothing feels right. Peter interrupts them, asking if they need anything, and Ellery takes the opportunity to ask how Katrin is doing. Peter mentions that his sister has always been a devoted aunt, and that she took Katrin to New York for shopping right when Malcolm was on vacation with his mom, and that the hailstorm delayed Katrin's flight home. (gasps) Ellery and Malcolm tense at the same time. There was only one person who could have driven Katrin's car at that time. Peter. But he wasn't at home either. Malcolm calls Ben Coates, who Peter was supposedly with, and asks about the dinner they had last month. Ben says, that never happened. Fuck. Again. So it sounds like Peter was driving Katrin's car, but why would Brooke help get the car fixed? Oh. Oh, no. Brooke was slipping out from the sleepovers to be with Peter, oh. not Malcolm, as Katrin guessed. Secrets. Gross. Ellery, secrets. Pulls her, <laughs> Ellery pulls her phone from her pocket to text Ryan when Peter comes bursting into the room with a gun pointed at them. Wow! Well,
1: <laughs> Ellery sucks at solving true crime. She's so bad. She's so but bad. You know at it. what? You know what? It doesn't really matter right now. Nah. Peter orders them to put their phones down. Malcolm desperately tries to reason with Peter. He he knows the dead otherwise. But it's no use. Peter orders them downstairs into the basement. As they go, Malcolm realises that Peter planted Declan's glass ring on Brooke. So he killed Lacey too. That he was having an affair with both of them.
0: Oh, gross, gross
1: Disgusting. Gross, gross secrets. Sequence. Ellery asks about her aunt Sarah and Peter whispers something in her ear. Eventually, they come to the only room in the house that locks on the outside and Peter locks them in. Malcolm can hear Peter moving something heavy before mentioning how dangerous it is to have an electric generator turned on in the house because of the carbon monoxide. Well, he's just gonna to pop to the shop for some popcorn. Uh,
0: bye! Ah, oh, fuck! Ellery finally breaks out of her stunned daze. She's tearing through boxes, looking for something to pick the door lock with as the carbon monoxide starts to take effect. As Malcolm's vision goes dark, he finds one blessed paperclip and tries to give it to Ellery, who is now slumped over and passed out by the door. Before Malcolm can even try to use the paperclip, He passes out too. Ellery wakes up in the hospital. Her head is thumping and her
1: nana is holding her hand. Nana is crying and telling her that she's going to be okay. (sighs) Ellery is about to rasp. Nana tells her her brother saved her and Ellery falls back to sleep. Melanie Kilduff is there when she wakes up again. Weekly, Ellery is able to ask about Malcolm, who was safe down the hall. Thank goodness. Melanie also tells Sadie is on the way. As Ellery hugs Melanie, crying, she apologises and asks about Mr. Nilsson and learns he's in jail. The next time Ellery wakes, Ryan comes to visit. Ellery is able to thank him for saving her and Malcolm.
0: Oh, her brother. It wasn't oh, Ezra. <laughs> Ryan tracked Lacey's bracelet Daisy gave him, and the seller contacted him when they made a similar sale, and the buyer's description matched Peter Nilsson. Ryan looked through Brooke's jewelry and found it. Brooke also kept a diary on her computer. Though he didn't give any names, she did say how she was having an affair with an older man and was with him when something bad happened. The car repair receipt helped piece that together. Ellery managed to get a text through to Ryan, just a single letter, and he checked where she was with Nana, who confirmed she was at the Nilsen house. Understandably, Ryan freaked out. When he got there, Peter was leaving, so Ryan searched the house, heard the generator, and found Ellery and Malcolm passed out. Other police officers managed to catch Peter and arrest him before he got to the Canadian border, and evidence found in his car tied him to Brooks' murder. Ryan asks what Peter whispered to Ellery about Sarah, but Ellery says she didn't hear him. But why was Katrin involved? <laughs> Ryan can't say, but can tell her that Viv started the vandalism to help generate a high profile story to help her college applications. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it nothing to do with anything. Wow. <laughs> Viv also fixed the homecoming vote. As Ryan leaves, he invites Ellery and Ezra to a family gathering his sister is organizing. Sadie comes in then and hugs her daughter.
1: Two weeks later, Malcolm, Declan, Daisy, Mia and the twins are hanging out at Ryan's sister's house. Mia P.E. pressures Malcolm into extending an olive branch to Declan. He did think his brother was a murderer after all, so you can understand why Declan might be a bit frosty. Malcolm apologises to Declan and Declan apologises to Malcolm. They clink beers and it's a start to healing their relationship. Katrin is cooperating with the police. When she found Brooke's unique homemade phone case in her father's office, like some sort of trophy, she knew he was involved. Instead of telling anyone,
0: secrets. She tried to
1: deflect with vandalism, and now her lawyers are trying to paint her as a victim of Peter's control. (sighs) Malcolm received a text from Katrin saying he's all I have, which Malcolm knows isn't true. She had him, his mom, her aunt and at a push her mother in the south of France who can't be asked with anything to do with that. But you know she's there. Declan thinks the whole family is just rotten to the core. I agree. You know what, Declan? You're right. I think you read it right. You're right.
0: Declan then pushes Malcolm toward Ellery. They're both in bad places which is understandable. You know, given the murder attempt. The... Actual murders, and lies that have ruled their lives for the past month. It's going to take some time to process, but they can start moving on now. Malcolm asks if Ellery would like to visit the Clown Museum, which is just down the street, and promises her popcorn, hot dogs, and of course, clowns. <laughs>
1: As Ellery and Malcolm walk to the clown museum, she thinks about what Peter quietly said to her when she asked him about her Aunt Sarah. And she wishes she had never heard it because it will haunt her for the rest of her life. He leaned in close and whispered, I thought she was your mother. Oh! oh!
0: <laughs> Gross secrets. Gross.
1: And on that secret, time for a quick break. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show.
0: Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus
1: episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between
0: reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later.
1: You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show.
0: Secrets. Gross. (laughs) Secrets. No. (laughs) No, thank you. Ew. 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 No. No.
1: Do you know? Wasn't a secret or a gross secret. What? How freaking bad Ellery was a true crime.
0: That's my favorite thing about this entire book. <laughs> because it's like I feel like in every other YA book, you know. They're like, oh, it's she's the protagonist, and she likes true crime, so she's going to solve all the crimes in town. But no, she's real bad at it.
1: She's literally the worst true crime sleuth ever.
0: Everything that she has pieced together is wrong. <laughs> and there's and so I, many huge <sighs> leaps, isn't there? God, I know. But I really appreciate that... When, you know, she finds out finally that Ryan is her brother and she's like, okay, well, here's all of this information that I have to tell you. And he's like, can you please stop? You're bad at this and you're going to make things worse. Just (laughs) let me do my job as a policeman and you just stay safe and stop doing everything that you're doing because you're bad at it. Ellery, stop being you. Just stop it. You know, her mother is a washed-up actress. She's clearly... I I don't know if I want to say 100% a failure, but she's, she's pretty close. She is and, a failure. She's, no, she's done one movie in the
1: 90s where she had one line, and that's her only success.
0: Yeah. And... So I feel like Ellery has this, like, inflated sense of ego, you know, because this is all she's grown up with. Her mom is clearly thinks that she's really, really great, and so maybe Ellery thinks that she's really, really great, too, at solving true crime, but she's really, really not.
1: I think Ellery reads... She reads a lot of books, okay? And I think she reads a lot of YA sleuth books, and she listens to a lot of true crime podcasts, And watches true crime documentaries. And she's like, well, if they can do it, I must be able to do it because like you say, every YA protagonist is like so good at solving crime. And she is not. Uh Uh-uh. She is no Stevie Bell. She is no Stevie Bell. She her leaps should be in the Olympics. They are that that good. Ugh. Ugh. It's hilarious like, well, I think this is like, Ellery, shut up, man. Stop, stop it. it. Stop it. it. Just <laughs> stop it. But yeah, I really liked that. I really did. Me because too. She was so bad at it. She was. It's like when at the end and Ryan's telling her about, well, we worked out it was Pete Nilsson ages ago because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, they already knew. Had a suspicious suspicion that it was him. And it was information that you, as a 17 year old high schooler, will never get because you are not the police. You are not able to make official and legal inquiries and follow the train of evidence to the correct points. You are going by supposition. Like, she believes her mother instantly, despite the fact that Sadie is a prolific liar. That Ryan was cut up at Lacy's funeral, and then when she's looking at the high school yearbooks, she assumes from one picture that Ryan is looking fondly over at Lacy, wanting to be with her, but only seeing, um, her being embraced by Declan. And it's, it's like he's obviously pining for her in this picture. It's like no,
0: no, he's probably not even so looking much. at her. He's probably not paying attention at all. That's what happens no. in yearbook photos. Exactly. It's just... Calm yourself down.
1: And at least Ezra was around some of the time to tell her to calm down. But I, I don't understand why Malcolm kept asking Ellery for her true crime brain. Because, because,
0: because he like-likes her. And he, he just wants him. her to be around.
1: It's an excuse to talk to the girl he likes. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Do you know what annoyed me, though? What? About Ellery a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't about Ellery. So you know the whole Chekhov's gun thing? Yes. There was two things that were particularly mentioned and kept coming back to that nothing was made out of. And it really annoyed me that nothing was made out of these. So it was Ellery's shooting ability... And how she's an absolute crack, a natural crack shot, uh-huh. and her dagger necklace. There were, the these were mentioned on more than one occasion. Nothing of any significance or consequence happened. It was literally a mention, and it wasn't even to the point where it felt like it was a red herring inserted into the story. It was just a thing. And it's like, well, you keep mentioning that she's twiddling with that dagger necklace but nothing happened about it you keep mentioning that she was a crack shot but the conversation that she had with vance the second time and you know i'm sadie's daughter did not need to be at a shooting gallery you know it didn't her beating him at the shooting gallery did not have any bearing on the fact that he was going to talk to her it just and, it no. annoyed me.
0: i just I would just like to say I have a theory about this at least the shooting gallery stuff I have a theory about that but I would also like to just say (laughs) that Ellery is her own red herring it's true she keeps saying all of this stuff and it's like oh my god that's what happened like no stop she was the red herring because even
1: when you got things from her point of view like we're saying about Ryan looking at the photograph like the um Ryan looking at Lacey in the photograph, the Urbuk photograph, it's Ellery's point of view we're hearing. Yeah. So she is the red herring throughout the entire thing. She
0: is. She's her own red herring. So, theory, my theory, that yes, really, please. I mean, there was no follow through with it. So it is just, it's completely a random idea. Was Ellery. A crack shot. Because her father was like a big deal in the military, maybe. But he sat next to the helicopter so the chances are,
1: he was a pilot. And yes, well, you would need he to could know have how been, to shoot.
0: He could have been a gunner.
1: True, but he he didn't know anything. That's an ancient debate, then.
0: Yeah, we have no idea. But it could be. It could be an explanation for it. It could? I'm my own red herring. <laughs> Maybe I'll really fancy some fish for now. No! Who was your favourite character?
1: N- Mia. Because she was just sarcastic and sardonic. And I like yes. the fact that she's not... Um, <laughs> she's like, I'm going to follow my sister! I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know she just you got Mia you understood Mia Mia didn't have any ulterior motives other than wanting to understand her sister better to help her sister Um, and there was genuine curiosity but that's a very relatable situation mm-hmm. Um, I just thought she was a, a good character, she was a good friend to have you know, she was she's just a nice person I, I yeah. like her. dude. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely
0: like her. Yeah. What about you? Ryan. Ryan's my favorite. From the very, very beginning, when he walks in and he sees Ellery and Ezra and like drops his coffee mug. And so immediately, Ellery red herrings herself and's like, oh my God, he's involved with everything because he's clumsy and he's a bad cop. Like, no, he literally just like, saw a replica of his father in your brother <laughs> understandably yeah. drops his coffee cup yeah but i don't know i i liked him and i really i i really enjoyed the ending when uh nana says you know, your brother saved you. And immediately you think Ezra, because Ezra's been around the whole time in the background. And he's always helping and he's, you know, he's a good brother. And so you think, oh, Ezra somehow showed up. No, He's the only one ever referred to as brother. I know, but no, it was Ryan. And I thought that was really sweet. And I also you- appreciated that he was like, you're really bad at this. Please stop. Yes, no, I agree with that one. Nana must have known. Nana must have seen
1: pictures of Ezra and gone, hang on, that's my neighbour. Yeah,
0: hang on. Hang on a second. Yeah, I agree. I think and she
1: knows. And I can only imagine. I mean, she she must think it's not her place to say.
0: Yes. I agree with that. Which is fair. Yeah.
1: But I can only imagine she must have tried to pressure Sadie into telling the twins who their biological father is oh
0: probably but as previously mentioned Sadie's kind of the worst so I do not like Sadie at all I mean
1: addictive personality to one side she's just made of lies
0: yeah yeah she's 100% made of lies I can't stand her I hated every time that she called Because, like, you, I don't know, I guess you always kind of hope that she's going to be like, okay, well, when she calls this time, things are going to be better. When she calls this time, she's going to tell the truth. When she calls this time, but no, none of it. None of that ever happens, and she's just constantly lying, and I can't stand her. I'm really glad that she's still in rehab and is trying harder at the end, but I appreciate that Ellery and Ezra are staying with their Nana. Yeah. I
1: would understand if they just decide not to have a relationship with her anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've got this whole new family now, which is a lot to deal with.
1: It is, but they seem to be embracing the twins, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: The little, little pro- issue. Yeah. I just... Yeah. Can I ask? T- typically, within a murder mystery, there's hints and clues as to who the who did it. Yeah, but the problem we had was that we were, from Ellery's point of view, as we've established, is her own red herring, and therefore yes. is our red herring. Yes. And Malcolm defers to her true crime super nerd brain.
0: Yeah.
1: Which doesn't exist. Right. Um. So he's getting misinformation. Yeah. Were there any hints for you towards Peter being the killer?
0: No, none at all, which is why I liked it so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like like you get to the end and you're like, oh, damn, I should have seen it the whole time. Like, no, no idea, because we're focused on literally everyone else in town. No, I really appreciated it. Really liked that it does
1: remind me of another book that we read that frankly just pissed us right off and Which made us hate fine. the series and um, it was the last of the good girl's guide series oh. by holly jackson and oh. i cannot for life me remember what the third one is but i know for multiple reasons that third one let us down
0: Yes, because the main character was completely the opposite to how she has been the entire rest of the series. Yes. That's the worst part for me. But it started at the end of the second book where the who it,
1: there was no clue. It was a random person for a random reason. Yeah. But the whole thing is you're supposed to be sleuthing in these books. At least that's my impression, is within sure. those books you're supposed to be sleuthing. Um, But the correct information is there. It's just whether or not you've sifted it correctly and, you know, you've picked up on it uh, amongst all of the red herrings that are presented to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that one was like, how the hell would you have worked that one out? But the difference is, and why I like this one more, even though there was absolutely nothing to say it was Peter, was because, like we've, we've said multiple times now, Our narrator, our very poor narrator, (laughs) is terrible at solving crimes and feeding us as the reader the wrong information. Yeah. So we are going to not be able to jump to the correct conclusion because she's a freaking teenager and not privileged enough to be able to have the information she needs to solve murder, which is why... I'm happy that she wants to be a lawyer and not a police officer. Yeah, no, please do Because don't be at able. least a police, Louise, know, as a lawyer, the police have gone, here is the evidence.
0: Yes. There you go. Look at all of this evidence that has been placed in front of you and, you know, piece stuff together using this evidence that we have already collected and we know to be true. That's better. She can yes. do that, she can look at stuff and figure stuff out. Yes. Just don't go into law enforcement. No, don't. Do not be a detective. No, that. that, bad. that be bad. You're bad at it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what did you think of the big revelation at the end that really Peter Nilsson, was going to kill Sadie and not Sarah?
0: Oh, it just made me hate him even more. It was great though. I, I really appreciated it. And you know, at first you think he's he's whispered her something to her, and she says she didn't hear what he said. But then, like, no, there's no. there are several more chapters to go, so you just kind of think, what did he say? What did he say to her? So she I
1: obviously I... heard because she checked out.
0: Yeah, of course. She checked out and she was gone. And then she passed out from the carbon monoxide because she literally just stood there. Yeah, but I I really enjoyed that. I I like that that was the secret and that we also didn't find it out immediately. So it gave us a little bit of time to kind of wonder, what did he say? What did he say to her? And then you find out. And then you're like, oh.
1: At the same time, though, it wasn't a great big surprise
0: no not really because you know sarah seemed really just like nice and regular and normal so not really the type who would you know sleep with everyone in town all the time constantly um i'm surprised that he mistook her for sadie but we don't know where he
1: picked her up we don't know the, the specific circumstances about Sarah's um probable kidnapping and disappearance. Yeah. We don't know enough about that. Yeah. Um, and we can only imagine that Sadie and Sarah must be, to a T, identical. Probably, yeah. But she was too busy losing her virginity to Vance Puckett while her other boyfriend was murdering her twin sister
0: yeah it's good stuff
1: gross
0: gross secrets gross secrets is it is it time for would you rather do you, are there surprises did we already talk about surprises uh,
1: yeah I think we already did I mean mine was the, the Chekhov moments that nothing happened um, with Yeah, and can I just point out how much alliteration was in this Malcolm and Mia Ezra and Ellery, Sarah and Sadie—it's just freaking liberation all over the porn shop.
0: <laughs> it didn't bother me that much. It's not like they were rhyming names, which would have been worse.
1: It, it would have been worse. I think it's just because it—it just—it was one of those situations. If once it was heard, I could not unhear it. Like,
0: <sighs> like that time that all you heard was the word blood. Yes. In vamps, and like I didn't even notice it at all. I didn't really yeah. care about it.
1: Box 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 box. This is box 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 secret 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 secret.
0: Um I think my only surprise is really that anyone cares about Sadie at all because she's so terrible and we should just throw her away. Yeah Yeah. Why do we care? She's the worst. I don't. Move on. She was in what is essentially Robocop in the 90s and had one line that does not compute. Anyone caring about Sadie at all does not compute. Done and dusted. Yeah. Okay. Now is it time? Peace.
1: we asked on social media would you rather live with your grandmother who you barely know or a step family who are the opposite of you on facebook 100% are staying with their grandmother on instagram grandmother one was 60% and tiktok was 50-50 hmm there you go we'll check
0: some comments Yes, we should have some comments. Good, you're going to have some.
1: Emily on Facebook said, I choose grandmother because I would have a chance to get to know her. If we don't get along, I'll take solace in knowing that she'll die eventually.
0: That answer is deliciously twisted and I love it.
1: Yes, perfection. No notes.
0: Vincent, on Facebook, said Grandmother, because despite the fact that she was a devious old battle axe, at least she would bake like a mofo and brew a mean ginger wine in her airing cupboard. (laughs) Coral,
1: on Facebook, says Grandma for sure. What a great time to get to know her. Such a wholesome answer, Coral. It
0: is. It's so nice compared to the Grandma murder from earlier. <laughs> Bree on Facebook said, "Within the situation of the question, give me the grandma. At least there's potential to get along there. Unlike potentially being stuck in a Cinderella situation until I'm 18."
1: Fair. Colin on Facebook wrote, "Grab the popcorn, people. Grandmother, a little dear, who is to be fair." A bit on the real side of things, but we all ignore that because she's old, bless her, and it's not like it was in her day. In the meantime, I'm cringing myself in half every time she meets one of my friends in case she goes on some form of phobic rant at them. But, as Emily said, she'll be dead soon, by fair means or foul, and then everyone will deify her and forget all the bad things she's done, like saying maybe Hitler had the right idea. People's grandparents are... Okay. Still, better than those stuck bastards at home trying to make me live their life and never accepting that I could be excelling at something I want to do, Sharon. I just haven't decided what that thing will be yet, so stop comparing me to your ever-so-perfect daughters. And there's something you don't know about your top-class Lucy. She's a slut. Yep, she's had more sausage than your average German bratwurst merchant. How do you feel about that, Sharon? Not so perfect now, is she? colin obviously i would say i feel like yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah so let's go to instagram comments (laughs) um author friend kelly devos said the grandmother definitely there's way more hope grandma could turn out to be
1: cool
0: podcast friends seriously chatty
1: librarians on instagram go and check them out said grandmother hopefully she would be an avid reader and bookish she would hopefully like to take care of birds and gardens in her house hopefully she would have numerous cozy reading spots and a huge amount of books to choose from she would hopefully be a hot tea drinker as well (laughs) lots of (laughs) hopes for the grandmother. lots of hopes yes
0: but at least we didn't hope that she dies. <laughs> immediately. That's for Facebook. <laughs> Glam Glam Jen on Instagram says I'm dying to live with my step family of opposites. My new family is probably made out of dragons and vampires or vampire dragons, but something non human and cool. Once again, Glim Glam Jen just Glam gives Jen us. Jen is just the winner. Glam Glam Jen, please contact us. Give us your really important personal information so we can send you a treasure in the mail. Because you are winning at Would You Rather. Nobody knows that it's a competition, but it is.
1: She's got all the points. All of them. The tourmaline renegade on Instagram said, Grandmother, I think it would be better to know who I descended from than to put up with people who are half-related but completely different. It might find at least a few things in common with a grandmother at the very worst.
0: TJ Purit's author on Instagram says, Grandmother, definitely. Opposites in the same house are frustration you cannot escape.
1: I know, teenagers hide in the rooms a lot, don't they? We'll uh, go out yeah. to the mall. I don't That's know what true. teenagers just do these days. Well,
0: and grandmas go to bed early. <laughs> what do you pick? Well The Nilsons have popcorn and hot chocolate. Grandma has Netflix. <laughs> I'm sure the Nilsons have Netflix as well. They've got everything. They've got um, a basement place to watch movies and also they've got a murder basement. There,
1: yeah. Oh, Murder Basement is kind of attractive.
0: I know. I'm going to live with the Nilsons.
1: The Murder Basement's would we over. Yeah.
0: And, like, I...
1: The house I'm... is so big you don't have to interact with them.
0: Right. And, you know, if I'm Malcolm, which I am in this situation, like, I really like my mom. So I'm going to stay with my mom.
1: Yeah. The mum's the mum's in a, an abusive relationship. It might yeah. not be a physical, but yeah. it's definitely a psychological and yeah. very much a financial abuse. Yeah. I feel sorry for his mom.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to stay with her to try to keep her safe. Yeah. And also, you know, have the hot chocolate and the popcorn and the movies and all of that.
1: We could try to sell Peter Nielsen's stuff on eBay. To yeah. try and like, you know, pad out a bank account in kiss yeah the mum divorces him. Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably find more trophies from his victims.
0: Probably. Gross. But then we can turn you really him think
1: in. He- exactly. And we can get the reward. Do you honestly think that he stopped at Sarah, Lacey and Brooke? No There's way. There's gonna be more. No way. Gonna be more.
0: I mean, like... Is Katrin's mother even still really alive in the oh, south she's... of France, or oh, she's she's she... gone to the farm? She's <laughs> she's she's just frolicking in the farm with all of her little friends. Can't the go there though. Can't visit. Ooh. Sorry, she doesn't want you to visit. You can't she doesn't visit. Take responsibility. You can't mm. call her. mm Because yeah. she's dead. She's a corpse. I'm sure he's been doing this for forever. Yes. Okay. Would you rather have a date where you watch a crappy 90s sci-fi movie, which is probably Robocop, or go to a clown museum?
1: The crappy 90s sci-fi movie sounds like a fantastic Saturday night to me. Slash pretty typical Saturday night to me.
0: <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You see, Ellery and Ma- Malcolm might not see what the problem is with clowns but I do, I know I see, I know your secrets clowns I know your murder secrets I
0: Stupid. want I want to go to the clown museum
1: well, Of course you do because you want to find out what cursed objects you can bring back home I do You, you and- want to enter and exit through the gift shop
0: I do, and you know, there's probably a Mr. Jitters in there, a Mr. Jitters doll, there's probably that guy in there, there's probably a Renezme doll in there, because I feel like it's not just all clowns, it's just every creepy toy, every creepy thing that you can possibly find, and that they're going to be in there too, and then I'm going to like them, and then I'm going to watch see them. It'll be a life-size Pennywise. Yeah, fine with that. Hmm. Well, you got the murder...
1: Murder museum? <laughs> Why not? Uh, but You'll I'm go to the cursed clown museum. museum. I'm going to watch a shitty 90s movie.
0: I just feel like I'm already doing that. Constantly. Yeah.
1: But then, I don't want to lose my soul in
0: the clown museum. I'm going go go to the, the, the museum. I know exactly what you're doing. I'm probably going to go to the clown museum dressed up as a clown and i'm probably gonna hide somewhere and try to scare somebody and then I'm make them pee their pants yeah done doing it already done
1: no one is surprised
0: no one should be surprised question.
1: Yeah. Would you rather wear your grandma's knickers or have her buy your new clothes? You have no
0: say in the matter. She will buy everything for you. I am going to wear my own dirty clothes and not wear underwear. And I'm just going to avoid both of these things. No, I that would. That is not an option. That is C. You need knickers or new clothes. What are you I... having? I will buy the new clothes and wear the weird stuff that she has in her closets as long as it's not her underpants. Give me the weird clothes. I'm going to rock them. I'm going to rock them dressed up as a clown hiding in the clown museum, scaring the pee out of people. I would argue, though, that these are not your grandma's used underpants. <laughs>
1: You don't know you don't know in, where the thing. been. She, she 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 like all grandmas is perfectly capable of secret talents as being able to wrap up the knickers and put them back into the package mm-mm. and look completely undisturbed.
0: No, I believe in my heart of hearts that she gave Ellery and well, she gave <laughs> Ezra a package of Completely fresh, unopened underpants to deliver to his sister and say, Here, this is what you get to wear. What they don't <laughs> tell you
1: is that they're a lacy panty. They're a thong, okay?
0: Grandma thongs. And they're thongs? in like,
1: yes, the grandma thongs, the are lacy. One of them um, has a hole in it for ease of access, if you know what I mean.
0: Or w- wink. Why? Does your grandma have the sexiest pair of underwear? Well, grandmas like to feel sexy too. Grandmas like to wear
1: crotchless panties. Please, she's probably got some pasties Please. in her drawers as well. Please, no. But she's not going to share the pasties with her with her teenage uh, granddaughter. That's Don't. just silly.
0: How dare you be so ridiculous? <laughs> Sharing pasties. <laughs> don't share pasties. That's
1: unhygienic.
0: The stupidest thing I've ever heard. Don't share
1: pasties. Give
0: me grandma's crotchless panties. Okay. Would you rather... (laughs) I can't. I'm broken. Would you rather... (laughs) Try... (laughs) While the pasties are spinning around. Would you rather try... To solve a cold case murder, a current missing persons case, or figure out who your father is. There's three choices. (laughs) What are you doing? I don't know. I'm trying to decide. Because I'm thinking
1: the cold case There's Uh not going to be much evidence for you to... You know what? I am going to say try and figure out who your father is because then you're not interfering in a murder investigation, possibly infringing on multiple laws, contaminating evidence and working your way into a murder basement where you are the murderee, not the murderer. Nobody oh, wants that. Nobody and wants at it. least trying to figure out who your father is, is a useful endeavour. And will help you gain some closure I mean I want to solve a murder don't get us wrong but if I'm Ellery
0: in this case
1: I need to keep away from those murders Right. I mean if we're
0: Ellery we need to just sit quietly (laughs) in the corner
1: I'm honestly surprised she saw that picture of uh, uh, her father in Desert Storm and didn't only think it was Ezra I, I'm, I'm shocked she was like oh my god this must be my dad
0: bless her She's, she's really not that smart I think I would like to try to solve the missing persons case because that feels like the most helpful but I would be better at it than Ellery I would not be better at it jumping to conclusions you don't know all the secrets I would jump to every conclusion (sighs) gross secrets
1: you're going to be your own red herring
0: I am my own red herring you know you'll come to the conclusion that you're
1: like oh my god it was me
0: it was me the whole time yep (laughs) yep
1: okay last question would you rather find out your mother was supposed to be the original murder victim or learn
0: all about her sex life in a very small town i would rather find out that she was supposed to be the original murder victim because the guy's in jail now like what's he gonna do I don't need to know sordid histories i don't need to know about grandma's crotchless panties i don't need to know any of this just Ooh. let me be blissfully stupid like ellery because <laughs> gross what are you doing gross. uh
1: yeah gross Same. Secret. I don't want to know about my mother's sordid sex life. I don't need to know that.
0: Mm-mm.
1: You know that it it should be private. Yeah. your yeah. house gross. 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 Let's live with the secrets. knowledge that you should not be on this earth because your mother should have been murdered yeah. after having That's an mine. affair with a dickhead. That's fine.
0: Ugh. Gross. Favorite final thought quote. What you got? Yeah, I'll give you some.
1: (laughs) Or maybe we're finally figuring out that we haven't been normal for years, and it's time to redefine the word. I like it. What is normal? I ask you that. Nobody wants to hear my murder theories, especially when it involves their siblings. That's the kind of thing you need to ease into. Why would you even think I'm just this naturally suspicious person I guess (laughs) same and this this last one which I also relate to on a fundamental level
0: Mm -hmm. it's fucking
1: exhausting
0: Claire quotes from the book please sorry sorry hmm what do you got? Okay. There's, this, there's a pretty long one, so I'm going to read the whole thing, but there's this one part that I love the most. Okay. All of Fright Farm's success is based on how much people love to be scared in a controlled environment. There's something deeply, fundamentally satisfying about confronting a monster and escaping unscathed. Real monsters aren't anything like that. They don't let go. But just that line, there's something deeply, fundamentally satisfying about confronting a monster and escaping unscathed. Love it. Yeah. I have a really strong feeling that on Wednesdays, they were pink. (laughs) Thanks, Ezra. (laughs) She looks like some kind of goth anime character. I'm not sure what it says about me that I'm kind of into it. I feel like clowns get kind of a bad rap you know they just want to entertain Mm. Mm. (laughs) I know what you're doing stupid stupid evil clowns curse it curse it objects (laughs) (sighs) okay if you liked this try this what are you suggesting
1: i'm going to suggest we were liars by e lockhart which was covered on this fair podcast in the before
0: in the before, times. before my times yes i want to read family of liars it's okay. another it's another one
1: it on the schedule
0: i think it's in the i think it's a prequel like in the before times of we were liars In the before, the before. Before the before times. Rings. That hugs a
1: horn. (laughs) So you can either listen to me do the summary now or you can go back into the history of the podcast and listen to that episode. I
0: feel like your paragraph of a summary here is probably going to be better than that episode.
1: Fair. A beautiful and distinguished family, a private island,
0: a brilliant damaged
1: girl, a passionate political boy, a group of four friends, the liars, whose friendship turns destructive, a revolution, an accident, a secret, lies upon lies. True love, the truth. The secret. It was a very interesting read. Short read. It's a not very long book. It's it not a, a very, very not long book at all.
0: It's a very short book. It
1: was a very interesting read.
0: Yeah. What do you got? I am going to suggest something that I found in a list of, if you liked this, try this. It's essentially what I searched for, and this is what I found. Emma in the Night by Wendy Walker. One night, three years ago, the Tanner sisters disappeared. 15-year-old Cass and 17-year-old Emma. Three years later, Cass returns without Her sister, Emma. Her story is one of kidnapping and betrayal, of a mysterious island where the two were held. But to forensic psychiatrist Dr. Abby Winter, something doesn't add up. Looking deep within this dysfunctional family, Dr. Winter uncovers a life where boundaries were violated and a narcissistic parent held sway. And where one sister's return might just be the beginning of the crime. Ooh. Ooh,
1: secrets. Ooh.
0: Sounds good.
1: Do we have a new and indie spot?
0: We do. This one just came out a few days ago. And I want to say that, like, it's, it's kind of got some tenuous links, but, like, it also has superpowers. But at the same time, it's got the same kind of vibe. It's called cool. The Sight by Melanie Golding. As a child, Faith acquired the ability to see when and how people would die, a gift she neither wanted nor could get rid of. After foreseeing a family tragedy and being ostracized, Faith learns to control her visions and returns to perform in her family's traveling carnival. But when an unruly customer attacks her, she has a vision in full view of a crowd. She is banned from the carnival she loves and loses her only source of income to support her dying mother. Desperate to support her mother and with only one friend standing by her, she sees no reason to continue hiding her ability and goes to dangerous lengths to earn money. But, when she sees herself in a man's future death, Faith must face her own fears of her power and tune into her gift to fight against a future that would ruin her life and end someone else's. Ooh interesting Very it sounds interesting. really interesting i don't know i'm into it yeah no i like it i like it all right that's it for this episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm claire join us next time as we discuss dracula motherfucker written by alex DeCampy and illustrated by erica henderson dracula motherfucker it can only be said in one way dracula motherfucker dracula motherfucker, dracula, motherfucker.
1: You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram, Threads, TikTok and YouTube at fictionalhangover and find us on Facebook at facebook.com fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.